Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I'm going to be in John chapter 3 today. John chapter 3. I'm going to start with a, a little story that happened this week. I had a graduation party for my uh, youngest son graduating high school. I had a few people over. <clears throat> and during this party, uh, one family brought their kids, which was great. They're three kids. And I love the curiosity of young children. They'll ask absolutely anything. Uh, and so these uh, three kids came over. We have a pond on our property. And so usually when kids see a pond, the number of questions shoot up. Are there fish in the pond? Can we fish? And so my son loves fishing, and so he immediately was like, yep, I'll show you how to fish. And uh, they started fishing. Here's a picture of them <clears throat> fishing at the pond. Oh, isn't that great? Now, as they were fishing, they had questions. Why are we using a rubber worm? Will that choke the fish? Why do they eat rubber? Right? All those could just, quite, it was a cadre of questions. And then they caught a fish. Here's a picture of the fish that they caught. And so even when they caught a fish, what kind of fish is it? Can I hold the fish? How do I hold the fish? It's just, and I love that kids are curious. Uh, Curiosity helps us and helps kids. I I looked it up. Uh, It gives them positive emotions, lower levels of anxiety, more satisfaction with life, greater psychological well-being. They explore new things. It's just who kids are. In that same study, it said that children ask, on average, about 107 questions an hour. So for you who dropped your child off in the South Hall, (laughs) you get one hour of very few questions. It's like a little respite. I see a couple, absolutely, yes. Right, kids just, they're just curious. In that same study, I I find it fascinating because You know, curiosity can be a good thing, but it can also lead us to things that hurt. And so in that same study, as I was uh, reading through it, I found a study about curiosity uh, later in life that leads us to pain. And so they uh, invited people to go to a room, and we're going to do this just mentally. They went to a room, and there were three piles of pens. And uh, the green pens didn't shock you when you clicked the pen out. You remember those old pens, you would click it and it'd give you a little jolt? So the green ones, no shock. The yellow pens, the pile of yellow pens, they might shock you. And then the pens that are red definitely would give you a shock. And so they explained this to the people who were going into this room and they just wanted to see how curiosity led them to what pen they would choose. So how many of you in the room would immediately go to the yellow pen and click it? Just raise your hand. Yes. I don't know why you would do that, but you do. Here's the scarier thing. I've done this twice in two different services. How many of you would go to the red pen? Raise your hand. More people. Who are you people? Who would go, I wonder how bad the shock is. What does it feel like? What in the world? But that's exactly what they found in the study that Human curiosity will lead us to good things, but also bad things. Red pen people. (laughs) Most of us are uh, curious by nature, but that curiosity diminishes 
over time. Uh, with kids between the age of six and 10, they move from about 100 questions an hour and it significantly drops. You wanna know why it drops? Because their parents, no joke, their parents start saying between the ages of six and 10, will you stop asking so many questions? I did that with, with our three kids, right? And it, so what that does is it clips off, it diminishes their level of spiritual, uh, spiritual curiosity. E even adults, our curiosity continues to diminish. Look at this quote. As adults, curiosity is shut down when we think we know all the answers and need to be the expert. Instead of fostering a culture of curiosity, we foster competition to be experts when we know our learning is done. So even as adults, our curiosity is clipped off because we think we, just spend five minutes on Facebook. People think they know a whole bunch of stuff. So I want to make a spiritual shift. If, if we know that curiosity is good, if we use it in a healthy way, not just, not just for our physical well-being, but what about our spiritual well-being? Or have we become experts in even our faith life? where we're not asking any questions or being curious. It, it's, it's interesting to me when you read the Bible with this framework of how important curiosity is, you start to see how important curiosity was to people in the Bible. Like the disciples. They, they weren't disciples of Jesus yet, but they started hearing stories like, who is this guy? Their curiosity led him led them closer to him. Look, look at this in John chapter one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. They were not disciples of Jesus, but John had two guys that were learning from him. And when John saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. They were curious, led him closer to Jesus. And then turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Their curiosity drove them to spend the day, the evening, and eventually three years with Jesus to get closer to him. Curiosity helps us get closer to the Lord, it, if done in a healthy way, right? Curiosity in scripture can be uh, something that gets people in trouble. The, the classic example is Adam and Eve, first part of uh, the book of Genesis. God creates man and woman in this beautiful paradise. And he gives them, this is the Steve version, right? Gives them instruction, hey, this is paradise I want you to live in, but there's this tree, don't eat from it. Like, just don't do that. But Satan comes in and tempts them. Well, certainly God didn't say that. But their curiosity was piqued. And we find Eve, verse six, Genesis three, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Their curiosity explored in an unhealthy way drove a wedge between their relationship with God. Changed history forever. So curiosity 
is important to our lives, it should be important to our spiritual lives in a healthy way, I wanna ask us all this question. Here's the question. What is my level, what's your level of spiritual curiosity? Really? Like, like what are, or have we become experts? Where we're not asking questions, we're not exploring, we're just glancing through our spiritual lives. Even though I, I think, uh, Deep inside of us, there's the desire to know more about God. So what's our level of spiritual curiosity? As you think about that, I want to remind us that we're in a gospel of John. Over the summer, we're exploring the entire account uh, of John, uh, talking about, sharing about Jesus. And today, I want to talk about how do we increase our level of spiritual curiosity? I think... Do I want to go stronger than I think? I really believe, I deeply believe that this question, this topic, is important for this community, for the vineyard, for the 950 crowd. Because I'm hearing regularly things that are going on in people's lives that they either wish they would have asked or explored, and they're just not. So, so this... Boy, we could go through this message and it'll be super easy, but I, I deeply believe it's important for the time that we live in and for this community. And so I'm going to unpack this in John chapter 3. It's going to be quite a bit of scripture, 12 verses. Hang with me. It's this interaction between Nicodemus, who is curious about who Jesus is. And he's talking to Jesus and says this, John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Pause, just for a second. We might know what, we, what that means. Can we just say that's confusing? Right, and Nicodemus, hearing this, engages with him. Nicodemus says, how, how can someone be born again when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus is still confused. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do, not un and you, do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not, do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? It's this interaction, Nicodemus is curious, but I'm seeing two major things in this story that are helping me increase my spiritual curiosity. And so before I unpack these two things, let's, let's pray to be open to increasing curiosity about Jesus. So God, I, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears. 
Holy Spirit, I, I just invite you into this. If you're not here, then this talk is a waste of time. And so I pray that you would come touch us during this. I deeply believe, God, that you prompted me to share these things. So help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody good? Four people are good. Are you ready? Okay, just making sure we're awake. Here's what I see in this, uh, in this account. Increasing our spiritual curiosity means asking the right people good questions. Seems so obvious. It means asking the right people good questions. Right at the start of this account in John chapter 3, The text says this. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. I actually don't want to beat up Nicodemus for for coming in the middle of the night. I actually want to explore his curiosity and, and sort of celebrate that. See, Nicodemus was part of the Jewish ruling council, it says. That council was a group of people who deeply knew the scriptures. It was a council that if there was a question about what was happening, that's where you would take it. They were like the supreme authority. They were the group that chose who the royal priest would be, the head dude. And so Nicodemus may have been asking them, but in the middle of Nicodemus wondering, who is this Jesus guy? He goes to the source. He goes to Jesus himself, which is a beautiful, I believe this is a beautiful model for us to do, is to go to the right person. Take our spiritual curiosity, all the silly questions that we have about God, and actually ask him. It seems so basic, but it's what they did in scripture. Let me give you a few examples. David, these won't come up on the screen. David in the Old Testament wrote a whole bunch of psalms. One of the psalms, Psalm 10, says this, O Lord, why do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? He's asking the Lord that. That is brilliant. We should be doing that. Or or how about this, Job. If you've ever read the book or the account of Job, he had a bad season of his life. And he asks this in Job 7. He says, why God, have you made me your target? Great question. In the New Testament, the disciples are walking with Jesus, and they run across a man that had been blind, and they ask Jesus, why was this man born blind? Great question. Or we even look at Jesus when he's dying on the cross, He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is right and biblical and encouraged to take the deepest questions of our lives about God and ask him. He'll draw us closer. It's not that we can't ask other people. I'll hit that here in a second. But our first response should be, okay, God, what about this? What's this whole thing about cancer? Why are you seemingly far off? What, what, ask him and then listen. 
And there are times that we need to ask other people because we're not hearing from God clearly or maybe at all. And so it's fine to ask other people, but can I just caution us that the people that we ask should be pointing us back to Jesus and not giving us their opinion. Too often we get raked through the mess of life because we have asked people their opinion on some important question of our life and they just spill out what the, word, what the world says. Spend five minutes on whatever social media platform. There's tons of experts out there. You can ask them all sorts of questions of your life. You'll get, ask 10 people, you'll get 10 opinions. I don't want 10 opinions. I want 10 people around me that I trust that will point me back to Jesus. Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffer harm. I don't know about you, but I am tired of seeing people suffer harm because they're taking their curiosity to the world and getting beat up about it. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. There's this thing in scripture, you could see it all throughout scripture, that there are people, the Bible would call them advisors or, or disciples, where you can, there are safe people to ask because they're connected to God and pointing the person to God. You can write this in. Wise advisors keep my curiosity pointed toward Jesus. Wise advisors keep my curiosity pointed towards Jesus. I have multiple advisors in my life that I have specifically asked, will you, if I bring you questions about what's going on in my life or questions about scripture, will you, to the best of your ability, try to answer those and point me to Jesus? I have uh, a few in the church. I have two specifically out of the church that they're Christians. One's out of state. That I have, I have asked, will you, do the, will you be a wise advisor in my life? And they, I have gone to them on several occasions where I'm questioning, and, I have, and, and they have helped me along the way. If you don't have a wise advisor, you should, which means you have to ask. Well, that's awkward. Yeah, it is. But it's so worth it. We have this, uh, I, I've, I've had this in groups. We have vineyard groups. I, I've had great people in vineyard groups give me just wise counsel. We have this thing in the church called discipleships. It's a short-term one-on-one where you sit with a staff member, you go through parts of the Bible, and you just are able to ask questions. If you do not have a wise advisor in your life, there are opportunities here at the church. There'll be an opportunity at the end of the message. Get one. Because otherwise, the world will suck you in, and that's going to hurt. That's a really good point, Steve. So, so not only does it, if, if we go back to curiosity, not only does it make a difference who we ask, but it makes a difference that we should actually be asking questions, right? Ask questions, right people, good questions. 
I'm, I'm amazed after pastoring here a number of years and, and uh, leading our school of ministry, how many times I run into people where they say, well, I can't ask that question. I just literally five minutes ago, probably 20 minutes ago, out in the atrium, somebody listened to this message and they said, well, if I asked my question, you'd kick me out of the church. You know, we, we ch- I chuckled at that, right? I'm right there with you. But the reality is, too many times, I would argue weekly, I run across people who are not asking questions at all. They're gliding through their spiritual lives, trying to figure it out, just trying to soak stuff up. We have to ask good questions. Go back to the text, verse 3. Jesus replied to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless... They are born again. Great comment. And Nicodemus asked a wonderful question. How can someone be born again when they're old? Brilliant question. Nicodemus would have known about the kingdom of God stuff. He spent his whole life trying to understand it because that's what he wanted to see. That's where he wanted to go. He wanted to be under the kingdom of God. But what is this born again thing? He asked a great question. It was not silly. You can write this in. The only silly question is the question never asked. That's the only silly question is when it's inside of us and we just keep ruminating on it but never ask. Boy, I think that's bait for the enemy to tell us lies. We need to ask those. They are not I have asked the silliest questions to people that I thought were silly, and it's unlocked something that then multiplied my spiritual growth. There are no silly questions. So here's something I want you to think about. Here's a question for all of us. If you could ask God any question today, what would it be? I just heard one, it was really good, and it was not silly. On the bottom of your program, there's a thing that says question and there's a line. Some of you didn't have your program. That's okay, no shame. Right? But at the bottom of the program, it's quite, write your question. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to actually write your question in. It's going to be 10 awkward, silent seconds. Ready? Write your question. Go. Don't look at your neighbor's question. Guys, I, I have questions. You want, you want to hear some of my questions? Oh, one person. I'll tell you later since nobody else wants to know. No, here's, literally, here's, I have a running list. I think it's about 15 or 17 questions. I just write them down. Like one of my questions is, God, are you always close, or sometimes do you turn your face from me? I think that's a good question. I'm exploring it. I'm curious about that. Uh, It's such a healthy way to increase our spiritual curiosity. So increasing our spiritual curiosity means asking the right people good questions. Here's the other thing I see in this dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus Increasing our spiritual curiosity means not having my mind already made up. You can write that in. Not having my mind already made up. 
Nicodemus is talking to Jesus. And he's seen the miracles. He's heard about the miracles. He's in this dialogue. Nicodemus has a framework in his mind. He's got this mold of what he thinks the Messiah is going to be. He's got an image. He's got from history. He's got a pretty good set of, well, he should do these three things. And Jesus is not fitting the mold. Like Nicodemus, at some level, has his mind already made up. And Jesus says this in verse 11. He says, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify what we've seen, but you people do not accept our testimony. There's some hurdle yet where Nicodemus has not gotten there. He's not made his mind up that Jesus is who he says he is because he doesn't fit the mold. He's already got his mind made up. It's got to fit this way, and Jesus isn't fitting that way. And I think that level of, I'll even call it closed-mindedness, happens more frequently than we think. Even when we look in Scripture, it happens. Jesus goes back to his hometown. He's done a a whole bunch of miracles. He goes to the hometown, and in his hometown it says that he's not able to do many miracles at all. And when you hear what his hometown says about him, It's interesting, they've already got their mind made up. Look what they say as Jesus enters his hometown. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that he's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. His... Their mind was already made up, and because of that, they missed the miraculous of God. They missed the Messiah because he was that little runt, right? He was the carpenter's son. Certainly it's not him. They missed it. Another example, Matthew 19. Just then a man man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Great question. Isn't it? What do I have to do, God, to have eternal life? And Jesus answers it this way. He says, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. All these things I've kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? He's in this curiosity thing. He's still in it. And Jesus says this, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. His mind was already made up. I'm curious, but I'm not that curious. If I think of my own life, for the first five to seven years of my Christian walk, I had my mind made up of who God was. I I would have argued with you if you would have asked me, does God speak to people today? I would have said, no way. Argued with you, no. Does God do any miraculous stuff today? My early Christian walk, I would have said, nope, those things are done. We're just waiting. It's like an insurance policy. We're just waiting to heaven. And thank goodness someone stepped into my life and had me begin a journey of curiosity that unlocked This whole, God does talk today. We heard it at the beginning of service. He does do miraculous things today. But I, I missed out 
for at least seven years on some of the greatest things God had for me. I, th- I thought of this example. It's, it might be a bad example, but my, uh, my wife plays the cello, and so uh, Yo-Yo Ma, famous cello player, was at the South Bend Symphony last month. And so as I, as I was putting this message together, I thought of this example. It would be like taking my wife to go see Yo-Yo Ma at the symphony, but as I went in, I'm wearing, I didn't do this, but I would be wearing my own headphones listening to the music I liked. That's what curiosity with a closed mind is like. Because you don't experience the greatness of what God has created in front of you. You just go back to your own opinions. You can write this in. I miss God's best when I limit my curiosity to my own opinion. I miss God's best when I limit my curiosity to my own opinion. Arguably, Nicodemus had missed a portion of the best of Jesus because he limited who Jesus was to his own opinion. In verse 11, we read just just a minute ago, Jesus ends this dialogue and says, you people don't accept my testimony. Nicodemus, at the end of that, shows up two other times in the account of John. He ends up, Nicodemus ends up in this uh, large crowd, somewhat supporting Jesus, but on the sidelines. It's just this quick passing moment. But Nicodemus shows up when Jesus dies, and they're burying him. Look at this, John 19. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was the disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. He feared the Jewish ruling council that Nicodemus was on. And so he's doing this secretly. And he said, with Pilate's permission, he came and he took Jesus' body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. That's a lot of spices. 75 pounds. Now, uh, it was the custom to bury people with spice, but it was never the custom to bury people with 75 pounds. The only time that you would bury someone with that much spice is when they were a king. Nicodemus finally realizes that Jesus is the king of the Jews. He finally gets it. His opinions have been broken and he realizes, his curiosity finally realizes Jesus is who he said he was and he buries them with that much honor. But it took a lot for him to get there. So my question for us is, how much is it going to take before we realize that Jesus is who he says he is, and he's amazing, and he's great, and he's drawing us in with our curiosity? But are we experts already? What will it take to get us beyond thinking that we know it all? So I want you to think, I, I, I want you to look at the question or think about a question, if you didn't write it down, that you wrote just a few minutes ago. And I want to challenge you 
today, after service, you, you have the whole day. The NASCAR race in Chicago tonight, it's not that important. You, you, have, you have time today to explore that question with God. He would love to answer that. You even can connect with the church. I promise you, is this a promise? Yeah, I promise you that when you ask a question, we're not going to kick you out because you asked. There are no silly questions. So find someone on staff. Call the staff office. Get in a group. Email me, steve at the vineyard.org. Ask the questions. It makes a difference in increasing our spiritual curiosity. And I think it will make a difference in this community. If we have a whole bunch of people asking questions, just watch and see what God will do. So increasing our spiritual curiosity means asking the right people good questions and not having my mind already made up. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.